Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Streaming in Place. And today, uh, it's day 19. We're talking about season two, episode five of Lucifer, Weaponizer. And I think we need to... Tanya wants to know, did we talk about Lucifer's new phone last time? I don't know if we did. Uh, I don't think we did. We're going to talk about that today. But before we talk about that, I want to hear from Nolan Allison, since I was not able to to make the audio work to include it at the end of our last episode. People who weren't in the Zoom uh, don't know that I had them guess who they thought the next guest star was going to be, um, because because both myself and friend of the show, Latoya Ferguson, were like, you guys, you're not going to guess. You're not going to guess the next guest star. But let's, you know, it's a fun game because they have such good casting on this show. Um, so, so... I wanted to know if you guys, who you guys think we were talking about, because we were both talking about the same person, I feel confident saying. Um, but I don't know if you guys can guess who we thought you would never guess would be on Lucifer. So go for it. I feel like you were talking about Charisma Carpenter, but I don't know. It was, it's like, it's either Car- Carpenter or Imperioli, but I don't know which one you were talking about. So I feel like it's one of the one of those. Yeah. I would have said charisma carpenter because that is the person that you and latoya are more likely to be excited about however like of course i think charisma carpenter would be on lucifer so like she makes perfect sense as a guest star on lucifer um imperioli less so uh it's obviously not philomar yeah no it's michael imperioli because when you think who should play a menadiel and lucifer's brother you go to Michael Imperioli because in my head, yes, obviously he's an actor who's done lots of things, but he's just so strongly connected to The Sopranos. I don't think, yeah. I th- you know, Chris Carpenter, don't get me wrong. She's fabulous. Very glad to see her pop up here. She's delightful. Also, go check out uh, Latoya's interview with her. I'll have a link in the show notes because um, Latoya just got to interview her and that's super awesome. Um, but uh, yes, like, of course she'd be on Lucifer. But I do not think, I, I would not connect The Sopranos and Lucifer in the casting realm, the, the way that I would consider like connect Buffy or other, obviously like you know there's other these genre connections. So yeah, how wacky is it to to have Christopher as Uriel? I don't know that it's like super duper wacky. I mean, part of it is like I mean he he did that short lived Amazon show Mad Dog. So let's not let's not go too far afield that he's not making weird choices. Um, but he was also on Californication, which, as um, Latoya uh, elucidated me about, that has a connection to Lucifer. But he was—he's also been on Hawaii Five O for like three years now. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, him popping up on Lucifer when he also did like a two-episode stint on Blue Bloods. <laughs> I, I think he's okay to pop up on this show. <laughs> I think. I mean, once it happened, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. Okay, cool. But, yeah, Nancy. Um, But, you know, it took a minute getting there. You're upstaging me. You're upstaging me. She likes to sit and wait for us to make a blanket cave for her. And she'll just sit there until we do it. So, there we go. Anyway, (laughs) is that satisfactory? Butthead. Um, She's so cute. (laughs) Um, anyway, it makes perfect sense to me in terms of like the way that Lucifer seems to be having a conversation with other TV shows, at least yeah. 
you know, with certainly with Trisha Helfer's casting, but it's not the first occurrence of that. Um, and it is certainly like a high enough profile to get the big reveal, uh, which was really fun. And I love those like, Ooh, look who it is. It's cool. Um, and yeah, totally. I think it's just, it makes sense because, uh, even though it's pretty weird because they're already all really different, like all three of the brothers that we've met so far, um, are just, could not be more different. So it makes sense to me that it would be sort of, uh, similarly, messy and weird yeah i don't know i enjoyed it it was surprising but once it happened i was like oh okay great yeah this is the little bit of uh, legends-esque meta commentary flowing through everything else that i really dig well let's talk a bit about some of these other guest stars uh because there's so many of them we've already mentioned chris carpenter of course and then there was uh uh Phil Lamar, who to us is like, we know what he looks like and he's a big deal. But for other people who don't know, he does like all the voices and all the animated things. Um, so it's always fun for me when voice actors, uh, or, or other actors that you don't usually get to see their face, like Doug Jones, for example, get to just be on a show and not have to go through 10 hours of makeup or <laughs> be voice only. So I always enjoy seeing them pop up. It's such, it's such a strange thing because this, this guest cast is stacked. There's so many recognizable and fun, um, like bits of casting in this. And then, uh, and, and then Phil Lamar shows up and you're like, Oh, well, I mean, it's gotta be him because <laughs> like those are the obvious, like it's like the, it's like the Robin, uh, Givens and, um, Vic Hey casting from the previous episode where it's like, you're the obvious one who did it because you're fame, you're the more famous one. And then someone else comes up, you're like, Oh, never mind. Recognizable, well known, uh, TV actor of some sort in a one line role. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so, uh, and, and of course, we haven't even mentioned, um, uh, Mark Deca- uh, DeCascos. Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? I, I just know him as the host of Iron Chef America. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very memorably in John Wick 3 as well. Like a really, really, really great part in John Wick 3, among other things, many other He's things. He's like the best thing in John Wick 3 for me. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, he's a really well trained stuntman and martial artist. Um, he was really good in Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is a terrific, weird kung fu werewolf French action film set in like revolutionary France, um, which is very good. Um, but yeah, he's just really delightful and he brings like a really s- interesting energy when he pops upon things. Like again, John Wick 3, he's just completely deranged in a really delightful way. But I really like him here too as sort of a, no, I really cared about this guy, mm-hmm. the the victim in this episode. And it's just, I really appreciate like the levels that he played for this as well. That the, his big shotgun thing at the end actually felt really earned and believable from where this guy was coming from. Yeah, that pays off in a way that it shouldn't, um, mm-hmm. and that's through the earnestness of the of the performance. I think, Allison, did that work for you? Yeah, I you know I think um, I've got some quibbles with this episode in general that yeah. uh, that mostly amount to spending energy in the wrong places, uh, and essentially, I just wish that there was a different case of the week because um, while it all really worked for me, the big story 
less so, uh, mo- just because they didn't put, in my opinion, enough time and energy and emotional heft into it to sort of earn the ending, despite the best efforts of the actors involved. Um, but it, but it still worked for me, and I think the that your point about sincerity is really key. It really um, should not should not have worked at all, but uh, really did, and was funny and distressing and all those yeah. things. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the case of the week and start there and then we'll bridge back to to everything else because there's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, We've got uh, a action star, not the first, but I mean, I I think I feel like any show set in L.A., you're allowed to have more like Hollywood types pop up as you're like you're um, as being part of the, the case of the week you know, storylines and inspirations. So, cause that's not the first time we've had this kind of a thing, but action star murdered, um, rival comes up. Like it was a bit more of a stretch. I, th- I thought some of the, the beats, but for me, it was charming and fun enough that I was willing to, to go with it. Um, plus just making, giving Dan and Lucifer a bonding moment or just like something that they both enjoy. I thought was a good call and watching like Chloe was like, Oh God, you're on the, you, both of you. I can deal with one of you on this, but like, <laughs> don't team up. I, I've been able to rely on you not teaming up. Um, so I, I enjoyed all that dynamic. Yeah. That was a real highlight of the episode for me, watching the two of them have fun and geek out together. Um, even the more sort bad of accents. reality. Yeah. More bad accents. Um, even the sort of reality breaking stuff, like Dan taking a selfie. <laughs> um, we, uh, I mean, I, I, you know what? That shouldn't surprise me. We've already established he's a terrible cop. So I guess it should be fine. But point being watching them geek out together was really fun. It was. I think, Kate, your idea of like, I can't deal with both of you type of thing, I think really kind of speaks to the ways in which that dynamic can shift when they find a shared interest um, really, really quickly. And I think the ease at which that happens to like, Lucifer's a little delighted by the fact that Dan is into um, body bag, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is just the best worst name for a fake action franchise (laughs) and so i think that the ways in which that gets spun off even down to the fact that dan ducked out on wedding planning to go see one of the sequels a is perfect dan but b kind of kind of just connects him i think in a really good way to lucifer as well and marcus points out that he wants to watch these fake action movies that i kind of actually at least want to see the first three (laughs) <laughs> so Lucifer, please get on that. I mean, but if you're only going to see the first three, you're not going to get to see the Weaponizer because he makes his big debut in, in Body Bag Four. That's and the fact true. that I remember so- that even a day later <laughs> is telling. It means they really did land <laughs> those jokes. But having Dan giving like it, it just speaks for me to a, a good story arcing and character um, progression because now that they've gotten like kind of closed off the chloe dan thing they can move it to more of a collegial work working kind of vibe at the different cases and so that lets us have a less tension filled dan and lucifer scene we also get you know and bringing ella into that too just it makes for more of a workplace comedy vibe at those scenes if they want to go that way and they do here i feel like we should mention by the way after our discussion in the previous episode about what's up with lucifer's mojo the little moment we get with ella and lucifer at the crime scene yeah um any any thoughts on that I don't know. Like, it very much feels 
less mojo driven but i don't know it's it's played a little weird in that she seems game for it she i think she is game for it but also i don't quite i don't quite read it i don't know that i read it as a mojo sort of deal that happens there either allison how did that play for you you know it felt a bit like and this is probably partially contextually because we talked about this yesterday, but it felt yeah. a bit like, oh no, we forgot about this part of Lucifer's that's, superpower. That's good, yeah. Let's drop it in one quick time and then we'll just continue on. Like, it's like they got bored of writing that part, which I understand. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense to me. Um, but yeah, it ju- it felt uh, like a nod to a piece of the story they're not interested in anymore. Um Although it is, I mean, I think it's actually more interesting in what it says about Ella and that like, she's like, yeah, okay, no, sorry, never mind. I'm doing my job. Let's, let's yeah. talk about this. Um, and that she's not immune in the way that Chloe is immune, um, but is more interested in other things. So mm-hmm. that piece of it was cool. But yeah, it felt like an afterthought. See, for me, it was definitely a mojo based thing because there of the performance. There's like a little bit of like a head shake. Whoa. Okay. No, we're at work right now. That, (laughs) but it also plays in with like the stuff we got in the previous episode about, uh, her just being more game, um, than we might expect from the, her introduction as this is our new religious character, right? Um, with the like being into the phone sex operator thing and be like, also, I used to steal cars. Like, (laughs) like it, it, and, those are things that shouldn't necessarily all go together, but they do because of the writing and the performance uh, from, from that actor who I, I enjoyed quite a bit, whose name is uh, Amy Garcia. And Amy Garcia. She's very good. Um, she hasn't got a lot yet, but she, she's good. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I thought we should mention that. We should also mention, um, Tanya mentioned in our ch- the chat, we haven't talked about the cell phone, and that was one of the more delightful parts of the previous episode, down to the specificity of when we get to watch Lucifer for the first time, watch the cat playing the piano, which is one of those early, <laughs> like the earliest uh, viral videos on the internet. <laughs> and this is putting in that audio of the da-da-da-da I was like, oh my god, I can watch it with it, and I get to watch Lucifer watch this for the first time. This is delightful. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, I love that. I love that gag. And that video. <laughs> it's like, you have to, like, do it along with it. You can't not. Yeah. It's good it's stuff. It's amazing. Okay, uh, any other thoughts on the case of the week for, for this one? Like, the, I mean, I thought Charisma Carpenter was just so fun and delightful in this role. The, the line reading for, um, it was the 90s. We did a lot of coke. Uh, very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every time I see Charisma Carpenter in something, it just bums me out that she doesn't get to do more things. And then I get sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she was good. Oh, Joss Whedon! Yay! Yeah. You yeah. also gave her her break, but still fun. But still, um, yeah. both, both things yeah. are true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she was good. It reminded me a lot of the sort of, um, insouciant energy that she had in Veronica Mars, mm-hmm. sure. um, without the squick. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, always happy to see her. Well, anything else on Phil Lamar besides the fact that, you know, he's good. I would like to see him get to do more stuff with his face. But uh, I I appreciated just how weirdly cowardly that character becomes of like hiding behind Charisma Carpenter's character and Mm -hmm. just like all this, Mm -hmm. all these sort of like shady things of let's play it for comedy. But it was also just like, yeah, this dude's awful. And the ways in which they reinforce that are really, really nice. Yeah. 
I liked all of these guest stars, but I did. It felt like they were wasting some of them. I was like, I was kind of like, all of these in one. Like, can't we like bring some? Like, this is the what you're gonna get for Lamar because he's great and he does a very good job. And it's sort of fun that they can just like be like, we're just gonna bring everyone. Um, but I, I wanted him to get his own episode. Like, give him <laughs> Lamar Dacasa's role in a different episode. You know? Yeah. It um it felt a lot like. Oh God, you know how back in the Halcyon days when I had a really fancy health insurance plan, you know how if you have a, like a flexible spending account, you have um, to use it at a certain right? point. And then at the end of the year, it means you're like, oh crap, what does this cover? I'm going to buy this um, weird home health device and I'm going to buy these vitamins and that because you've got to <laughs> do something or all the money goes away. Um, it felt like that. But with casting, like they just <laughs> had to spend all their money at once for no reason. So Phil Lamar was like the vitamins, like the vitamin gummies that are covered under the FSA that are great, but you probably don't need them. Um, like, well, see, it's like that. so funny that you say that because my partner and I were trying to debate. All right, so which one was cheaper, Mark Dacascos or Phil Lamar? Like, who who was who who was actually the vitamins in this? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have no idea, but I'd be curious to know. Anyway, yeah, like you said, Kate, it was fun to see them all show up, but it was a little, it was confusing. It was like watching, um. Oh, I don't know, uh, like an opening segment at the Oscars when they just keep showing famous person after famous person. It was very disoriented. Oh, God, it hiccups again. Ugh. We do watch TV different than other people because we know all of these people. <laughs> so, yeah. like, other people don't necessarily have the same experience uh, watching things. But, uh, but yeah, definitely. Let's talk a bit about uh, Chloe and Mays living together because we did not get much there. But I it did enjoy that we're already spending more time in that apartment. And I really liked the beat they gave Trixie in this episode. I thought it was a such a smart thing to do. Felt very genuine for kids. And, that, and it also speaks so well of Chloe as a mom to immediately, like, read the situation uh what do you guys think of of our Trixie content this week this week today <laughs> today it's confusing I liked it I enjoyed the sort of that kind of sense of fear like I mean it's it's one thing to play that type of deal um too much but I was mostly impressed that they hadn't done it a lot up to this point in any way shape or form that they hadn't done it at all I should say and so I really really liked that sort of realization navigation of that and yeah I thought it worked really really well um mostly what I enjoyed about that scene though was the fact that I'm pretty sure all of Maze's stuff was just in black trash black trash bags and just <laughs> yes that is that is that is correct packing for Maze um and all of chloe's stuff was in boxes so i was just like this is all very correct and also she just clearly tossed everything into the bag all at once because it was just like oh all of this in clothes and then this and then that it's not sorted (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i uh like that we got to the maze has a bunch of sex toys jokes already we can make more of those (laughs) yeah i want i mean i'm not not going to get bored of those it's going to take me a while before i'm like okay enough move on um just because Trixie is so cute and her name is Trixie and the combination is very funny and weird and I'm into it. Um, uh, I did not pick up on the trash bags detail. Very excited about that. Uh, yeah. And mostly I just want more. I want more of that, all of that. And the um, our minimal Trixie content was very good. And I think um, 
was part of what worked for me about the main storyline, which is where I assume we're headed in that I was more invested in what was going on with Chloe than I was able to be in what was going on with, um, uh, God family. I'm not sure what to call them like as a family. So we'll just call them God family. How about the Lucifam? Um, the Lucifam. Okay. That works. Uh, I was more in, it was easier. That's probably not, let me put it this way. It was easier to invest in what was going on with Chloe because I felt like while it was, um, less of a focus, it was more earned if only because it wasn't as big a swing. Uh, so, and the tricksy part of it, I think was really key to that. Yeah. Also shout out to Chloe for being a cool mom. Who's reading her daughter Coraline. Cause Good parenting choices. Yeah. Clearly. Also, nice nod to Neil Gaiman, who created, yeah, the character, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, let, let's move to that main storyline. And, and well, let's start with the Chloe part of it. And I thought, like, again, another good performance by Lauren German. And uh, the similarly, the payoff with the weaponizer uh, and the showdown worked really well. And I did not, the first time I watched it, I did not see that sort of twist coming for Chloe. And I thought that moment for her was excellent. And a really, like, I really thought that they were just going to go like, no, she's tough, man. She's uh everybody else is making a big deal, but she can handle it. Right. So that, that was just such a much more human and better way to go. I really mm-hmm. liked it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Lauren German is really, really growing on me. Yeah. It matches and grounds a lot of like the, it's really easy for a character like Uriel's whole thing of like the patterns, which we can get into to feel really contrived because then you can just do domino effect type stuff. But by having the ways in which by very specifically having Chloe respond to them in just, no, it's just happenstance and I can take care of myself in these sorts of instances and to have that be proven by her humanness by her empathy and her willing to relate to others, I think really kind of serves as a really good example of both how you can undercut the whole celestial type of thing with Uriel's pattern seeing, but that you can also plays into like a concept of like free will and how that can battle against even the concept of like plans and the ways in which that gets navigated, I think, works really, really well here. And I really appreciated it as a counter to the the plot pattern scheming. Yeah. Well, how about mm-hmm. that as a superpower? Like, you know, I think it's a good change from the more straightforward. Though, I mean, it's one that, you know, other shows have done it, right? Fringe did it really well forever ago. And, and I'm sure that there's an X-Files on, on that kind of a thing. Uh, but as compared to what we get with Lucifer and Amenadiel, how did that work for you guys as a power? And specifically for a character who's like the the picked on or like ignored, overlooked younger child in the family? Not even younger, like the middle, one of the middle kids, um, which is like weirdly, I think, like a big sore spot for Uriel, which I find found really interesting in his conflict, um, his conversation with Amenadiel. Um, I think it's it's very clearly one of those things where they went, all right, we got to pick an angel. Let's kind of go through the hierarchy. And then they get to the Wikipedia page on Uriel and <laughs> Milton calls Uriel uh, one of his, one of the most sighted angels. Like he has a very keen sense of sight and it just gets extrapolated from there into this whole ability to do patterns thing, which I think is a really cool sort of, sort of like pull of, all right, 
here's a previous popular well popular conception of this this being let's transition it into something that's very 20 21st century and i think it works really really well overall but it also just made me go but wait i want to see exactly how hitting that piano key is going to kill her in two days i'd really like that um so i think it works as a superpower i think it works as a really sort of different approach to this but again like their ability to constantly kind of turn it around defies the sort of impending sense of infallibility to that power which again i really really like how that undercuts that as a concept yeah that's the the piece that worked the best for me because it is genuinely scary and i think that opening sequence does a great job Mm -hmm. of setting that up like the way it's shot um the just like the general tone the very brief guest performances it just was very clear and um compelling so i'm pro that uh i'm also pro that it seems like chloe's humanity is part of what was able to stop the second chain that he started. I thought that was really interesting. And maybe that's a misread. Please tell me if I'm misreading it. But to me, it seemed like Chloe should have died in that shootout, but her something about her, her vulnerability, her honesty, something was able to sort of change the course, which I think is really interesting and cool. Um, uh, yeah, I I mean, I'm sort of bummed that, that that's the end of it, right? Because, I mean, and maybe it's not, but the everything killer blade, whatever the hell it was, the like permanent, blade, yeah. permanently empty the trash blade um, was, uh, seems pretty permanent. So I'm assuming that's the last we see of Uriel's superpower, which is a bummer because I thought it was very cool. Yeah. I think it's easy for those, for that ability to be overplayed or, or overpowered. Um, and I thought they did a good job of having him reiterate enough times, but not too many times that he gets patterns, but not the specifics. And so it takes a while for the specifics to come in. And that really, that does a good job of nerfing that ability and having, the Marcus says they had some well shot action scenes involving that power. And I absolutely agree. And having like that opening sequence, the fact that it's not just like a, what's the name of that device where it's like one thing leads to the next. Yeah. It's not a Rube Goldberg device. Rube Goldberg. Thank you. Uh, That it takes into account like the mom trips and then she's angry. So she yells at the kid. Like the fact that it takes into account, um, more ephemeral interactions as opposed to just like literal physicality and angles and all of that really helps and is more interesting, makes that power more interesting and that ability more interesting. And I read, Allison, I read that the exact same way for that second instance. So yeah, I think I write with you on that. Uh, as for, as for the rest of the Uriel stuff. Yeah. I, I wasn't as familiar with the character or the, the, the figure in other text so thank you no for that context uh but Agreed. i think that the uh the, what we get here is good i liked very much i like that they are going even though it's maybe it's a bit too human and predictable but i do like the way they are teasing out some of these other family dynamics with with mom and everybody else at this point um that we've met and i like so i like the amenadiel scene quite a lot i continue to really like what they're doing with him i like that this was what pushed us to a point of 
let's talk to each other, guys. Let's finally just like use our words and talk about. Also, I don't can't, you know, uh, though I, I was, I mean, I guess it was too expensive. I was waiting for him to show the wings. Like, I can't take her. And then the wing, you know, um, even mm-hmm. though it would have been gross. Um, but I like, I like all the interpersonal dynamics that we get here. And I do agree. It is like, it is kind of a shame we don't get any more with that ability or with Uriel, obviously. But I think that it's probably for the best for the show. Cause if you, anytime you introduce an ability that powerful, or that could so easily be pointed to as like a retcon as um, well, you know, they knew the whole time because they could see the, right. It's, it's just best to remove that from your narrative options. Yeah. Or like you have to find ways to escalate against it. Like as someone who watches a lot of like action anime, this is a very common power, mm-hmm. <laughs> that ability to see patterns or predict movements, like very, very precisely um, is super common. I'm actually watching like, jojo's bizarre adventures which is very over the top and delightful but it literally has a character who says and now you'll do or now you'll say and they're constantly correct um in again really delightful silly ways but it's one of those things that needs to be challenged in some ways and it's it's always tricky to find like ways to challenge that that don't feel really rote um naruto did this a lot too and it just required really creative thinking but still it got old fast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Having the, um, the ultimate motivations for Yuri will be like, it's going to be bad. Cause she's going to work her way home. I know mom, she's going to work her way home. And mm-hmm. then it, this whole is all, he's going to forgive her. And it's going to be a whole, I thought that that was such, again, I was surprised, but I thought that was such a better and more interesting motivation than anything we've gotten from because dad says so. Oh, but he doesn't actually say so. I'm just assuming that I know it. Like that was that was a much more interesting way to go, and I think that also gives us the space we need to go with Lucifer on his decision to kill him, uh, and gives that. Did, did did that scene work for you? Did Lucifer's decision work for you, or was it too abrupt and too plot motivated? It didn't work for me. It felt like. That whole storyline felt like it should have been a three episode arc, but they could only get Imperioli for one episode. So they did it in one. Like it just, I, I couldn't quite get there, especially because they lay the groundwork for this to be a really difficult decision for him with that scene with Trisha Helfer, where they're talking about how he always just wanted to hang out with his brothers and it was really hard for him. And then Lucifer has the conversation with Chloe where she says, well, I'm just looking at someone in pain and I know how to talk to someone who's in pain and all of that. Uh, And then it was like, we fast forwarded through all of the rest of the stuff to arrive at that ending. um, And it, and it didn't quite work for me. I wish it had been given way more time. And that's part of why I think I'm, I'm a little frustrated with how well the case of the week was handled because it just, it seems like that's more than enough for one episode really should probably be multiple episodes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the main storyline, not the case of the week. Um, should be enough for multiple episodes and instead it was just about half and it so it i just couldn't quite get there i will say it helped a lot to have maze who has seemed so invincible be so thoroughly beaten because it made it all feel more dangerous and more personal that threat felt the threat to maze and chloe and to a lesser extent amenadiel felt way more visceral and immediate to me than the threat to mom did what about you noel did it work for you 
It worked okay. I think it worked slightly better for me, but I absolutely see where you're coming from. In no small part because I think that there's a lot more to unpack with Uriel's whole approach and the larger extent to which like the idea that even the angels don't quite know what to do with dad in terms of what he wants and what he's thinking. And I think that there's something that they can, that makes them significantly more human in that God is this works in mysterious ways, even to his family. And I, I think that there's a degree to which that just feels deeply, deeply human in that we don't understand our parents for multiple reasons. Um, but that the ways in which that, that's explained here, I think works well, but building to that as sort of a concept, I think is something that they need to, that they could have done more of. Um, so that was, that was a little frustrating, even if I liked it as a, um, as a little pivot on, no, look, he's, she's going to do this. So we're just, I'm going to stop it right here. And then maybe dad will love me a bit more. Cause again, I'm just the middle child that no one pays attention to. Dad won't love you more, Uriel. I'm just letting you know that right now. <laughs> well, it's like, you're, Uriel, have you met our friend Linda? <laughs> You've got some things to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, Allison, about Maze. I I liked. I thought it was good that she got her ass kicked, um, but I thought I really liked that they gave her that second like volley where she jumped mm-hmm. up and was like kicking some ass because I think she needed a second like confrontation, like mini chunk of the fight, right? To 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 be Maze enough. So I thought that they that fight, I really liked that fight scene in general. I thought it, it really worked. And uh, the part of the of the episode that I thought was underserved more than anything was was mom because we still don't know her well enough i think for this to land in the way that would be ideal because like you were saying allison we're invested in what happens to chloe obviously and Maze and amenadiel but i don't think we're invested in what happens to mom we're invested in how lucifer feels about what happens to mom but that's it and so Oh, Marcus, has anybody else noticed Maze's broken finger? I did not. Did that happen during the fight, Marcus? Let us know. Um, yeah, okay. Interesting. So we'll see how that continues forward, if it does. I, mean, I don't know if they have super healing powers, if demons have, you know, fast healing or something. Anyways, the point being, um, if we were invested, if we were more worried about, oh, no, mom's going to have to go back to hell, outside of, oh, no, no, no more T- Trisha Helfer on the show, that would, I think, make that land a lot harder. And, and, like, we also, it's very clear, this show does not work without Chloe. The show does work without mom. We know what he has to choose for <laughs> TV show reasons and narrative reasons and all of this. So um, if we were a little, if it was a harder choice for the viewer or the audience or, or, or Lucifer, um just for narrative reasons as opposed to character reasons. I think it would have been a little more successful. I did though really like, I thought the last scene and the performances at the very end absolutely crushed it though. I thought that Helfer and Ellis were excellent in that final scene. Yeah, I agree. I mean that, and that's what I was alluding to earlier where I feel like, um, you know, every once in a while, it seems like the actors need to fill in the blanks a little bit for us. And this season, that hasn't really been the case. Uh, but here it felt like they did a lot of work to leap from point A to point B uh, and were good enough that it sort of almost got me to where I was supposed to be. And I w- would suspect that 
that'll be completely changed in the next episode that we're going to watch. Like, um, because they're so good and because they've already laid the groundwork, whatever comes next will probably be a much easier sell for me, but I just wish there had been a little bit more middle. I think where I'm struggling with some of the mom stuff is while I appreciate the impulse of we're going to do, we're going to put Trisha Helfer in these like deeply comedic situations and just watch her kind of just sing and like really hit those notes really, really well. And she does like, she's deeply funny. Um, but I also just keep going. This is a high powered defense attorney. She's not carrying all those herself, all those files herself. She has assistance. She has a nanny, um, for her massive house. She's not picking up all these beach towels and everything. And so it's a little weird disconnect of we really need to give her something to do to demonstrate the fact that she is struggling with human life, even though she resurrected herself into this very privileged body um, that doesn't get navigated in a way that I feel feels organic to the show. And that's really kind of frustrating, sorry, organic to like her situation. And that's kind of frustrating for me, um, even if it is motivated by a deep desire to do a lot of solid physical comedy. Um, but it just, it feels disconnected a little bit and that's kind of where I'm struggling, but I'm also at, I'm also just ready for her to be stuck in court and to watch just that agony happen. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe she forgot, didn't know how she had to pay for the nanny forcing her to quit. That's not a bad idea, Marcus, but I also feel like that she even has one (laughs) or a nanny is a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like Charlotte would have had one prior to this, is mm-hmm. the thing. My headcanon is that because the kids were sick, the dad was had had to take care of them because yeah. for and some reason. And that's what he was doing. That's a fair point. So uh, it's just... And then, and then, you know, since then, the... The maybe the dad should know, but yeah. <laughs> but still, like, it's like, uh, that's allowed my brain to go to that place <laughs> especially yeah. in our current situation where it's like oh they're sick keep every- keep everyone locked down <laughs> keep them away well um, and so. maybe now like it, assuming the kids are recovered um both from the well, sickness they are recovered and, she did tie right? one of them to a soccer exactly post. so they're recovered <laughs> that from was the sickness amazing and they're also recovered from being chained to a soccer goalpost and then being barked at by an actual demon um which was, was so good uh, good timing. on kid, perfect timing. Yep. Uh, regardless, maybe now that they're recovered, um, Charlotte's husband keeps trying to tell her, by the way, we should probably bring the nanny back. She's very confused why we haven't had her in the house. But every time he tries to speak, she just has sex with him. <laughs> so the only thing preventing her from having a nanny is that she keeps trying to shut her husband up by successfully getting her husband to shut up by having sex with him. I'm I'm going to buy that. Allison, I'm going to buy now. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm buying good. that for now. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, do we have any other elements of this episode that we want to dive in with or talk about? I mean, we went super long today, but I mean, there's a lot of here. And, and here. we didn't even discuss booze, so. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, tomorrow we're going to have, I mean, and, and if anybody's in the chat who wants to bring up a topic, please, please do drop it in the chat. Uh, but tomorrow we're going to talk about season two, episode six which is Monster, is the title. And, uh, I mean, I think it's pretty... Got some... Lucifer's got some stuff to deal with. I wonder where that title is going to come into the dialogue. It's 
not going to be a stretch. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation and then we're going to be off for the weekend. So thank you guys for another uh, fa- uh, fabulous chat. I'm looking forward to hearing if, you know, from, from Latoya and any of other listeners about what, how they're feeling about this, uh, this little part of the season at least. And we'll be back tomorrow for, for monster. So uh, thanks guys. And bye. Bye. Bye.